All right, welcome in to the second episode. Let's just let's stop going by numbered episodes. Let's just say the week five college football uh, pregame dream preview. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is Taylor McCarg, uh, ESPN analyst and former Rice Owls quarterback. I hear. What do you think, Taylor? The Rice Owls. This is this a good week for them? I mean, tough tough schedule so far. This might be the spot where we start to see it. They got to win. So we'll start there. They got to win. We're on the board. It does make me feel a little better that Arkansas is top 10 and Texas looked much improved last week. So yeah, Arkansas, Houston, Texas to start the year, pretty tough slate, but I'll take, I'll take a win anytime I can get it for my Rice Owls. Well, you say Arkansas is top 10 and that kind of brings me to one of the things I wanted to discuss is like it, and I don't know if you, you know, I don't know. Most people out there don't keep their own power rankings, uh, but a lot of people will just look at the AP top 25 and that gives them an idea of where things are. I like to compare what my rankings are to what the top 25 says. And without fail, there's going to be discrepancies. And Arkansas is one of the big ones. Uh, I, I still have Arkansas. They're inside the top 20. They're not inside the top 15. Uh, so it's, but on the AP says they're the eighth best team in the country. I I think that sometimes we, we react to a few data points and forget about a lot of other stuff, but then there's other instances. And this is a team we talked about last week and you were kind of ahead of the game on this. Like you said, man, I haven't seen anything from Clemson that makes me a real believer. Uh, and had you asked me like, what would it take to have Clemson, 15th in your power ratings. I would have said that and it's, it's almost impossible that would happen this season, but that's where I've got Clemson right now. You Clemson number 25 in the AP poll, but it's, I, I think Clemson's chances to win a national title are dead. I don't think Clemson can make the playoffs with two losses. Uh, I, I think it was going to be tough with one. I think now two, we can, we can scratch them off the list. Are there teams that are still, technically in contention or are high in the rankings that you are still telling yourself this team is not as good as the world thinks they are. Absolutely. There's teams in the top 10 that are that have undefeated teams. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I don't think Iowa is a very good football team. Iowa is certainly a bad offensive football team. They're a, a, I was about to say, great. They're a very good big 10 defense, but their offense That Indiana game, two pick sixes in that game, Iowa State, not who we thought they were. I don't think this Iowa team is – I shouldn't say they're not that good. They're they're a top 25 team, but are they the number five team in the country? No, absolutely not. I don't think Cincinnati is a is – are they the seven spot in the country struggling in the first half against Indiana? No, probably not. I'll get to them later. There's a handful of others in here. Coastal Carolina is not the number 16 team in the country, but this is – I'm glad we're leading off with this. I, I wish that we would just do away with the preseason rankings. Watch the tape. You know, I, I every year this happens, you have a team that's hanging around in the teens that they started the, the season in the top 10. And by the end of the season, you wonder if they hadn't had that preseason ranking, would they have held on to this ranking the whole season? Probably not in some cases. This is the first time, I will say, for Texas, I think they should be ranked. And they're not, which is interesting. For Forever and always, Texas gets the benefit of the doubt. They're always like 22, 19, something there. They're ranked preseason, and, and you think, gosh, they're, they don't really think they're a top 25 team, and then they lose at home by two touchdowns to Maryland, right? This is the first time I can think of where that win against Tech, I was really impressed by, and Arkansas looks much better than I think people realized. And I think the quarterback change to Casey Thompson – has had a much bigger impact than people are giving them credit for. We'll find out this week. I know we're going to get into that later, but I totally agree with you. There are teams littered throughout the top 25 that I, I really don't think are that good, but it also speaks to, I think we just don't have that much separation this year. I think there's a bunch of above average teams that are benefiting from having a, a good preseason ranking. I don't disagree with that. I do think there's still – the, the top two teams, Alabama and Georgia, until further notice, those two teams are still elite in my book. And totally. It, it, they, I have them uh, I have them both seven or more points better than any other team on a neutral field. 
So I, I, I do think that there's more parity beyond those two, but I, I still put those two in a class above everybody else. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think Oregon's win over Ohio State is, to me, the most impressive win that's out there. So I, 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 I like them at three. But after that, there's a bunch of teams that I'm waiting very much a you, you got to prove it. Right. I, I think Penn State's got some issues. I think Iowa, we just talked about Oklahoma. I mean, my gosh, they're, they're trying to give games away. Cincinnati, Arkansas, Notre Dame. I don't think I mean Notre Dame won a college football game with it was like 10 yards rushing against Wisconsin and won by 30. Yeah. I mean, it, they've got issues. So I think there's a clear difference between one and two. And then there's a drop-off, really, I don't know that I have them as far down as you do. I think there's a drop-off to Oregon. And then after Oregon, I think there's another huge step to the remainder of the top 10. Well, I can tell you from my power ratings standpoint, I have Oregon outside the top 10. I I do agree with you. They've got a great win. But, I mean, if listen, they, they almost lost to Fresno. They were they were up five on Arizona, who's the consensus worst team in the Pac-12 in the fourth quarter. I, it's a, again, it's a great data point, but I we can't go crazy over over one game because Oregon, outside of that one game, has looked very pedestrian, to be honest. The only team that I'm looking at top 25 that I would be comfortable putting ahead of Oregon right now would be Florida. I think Florida beats them neutral site home and home probably seven out of 10 times, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't Florida, know that I have I feel, anybody else that I Florida would put I feel over. Good about, right I, I think Penn state is better than people think they are. I, I think really they're starting to figure some things out at quarterback. And I think defensively they were going to be pretty good all along. Uh, and again, as Ohio state, if, if, if Ohio state and Oregon were put on the field again today, is it the same result? I don't know. Uh, but I, what I do have to believe in is what my preseason numbers said. Some, I can't just you know flip flop and say, well, Oregon's just way better than Ohio State because they beat them in one game. I, I just don't know that I believe that that's true. Yeah, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. Again, I think I go back to what I said a minute ago. I think you just really have a bunch of above average teams that are kind of jumbled all in the mix there, and. It was really a clear one and two, and then a bunch of teams after that. That it makes for good discussion, <laughs> makes for good podcast material. Well, I, I here's what I'll say, and I think this will this will lead us into the next conversation, which will lead us into our first of our our big game uh, previews. But let's let's take a look at that what that Florida team did, and really their most the most impressive thing Florida's done is lost to Alabama by two points. That's not nothing. That's a big deal to push Alabama that way. The, the only other time Alabama's been pushed in the last, you know, two years was Florida in the SEC championship game last year. So Florida right now looks like they've got sort of the recipe to compete with Alabama. Um, Alabama this week takes Bryce Young in and, and, uh, and they've got Ole Miss on deck, Matt Corral. These two guys – Number one and two in the Heisman uh, odds right now. Matt Corral plus 175, the favorite. Bryce Young plus 200 at second favorite. Then the drop-off from those two, you get down to Desmond Ritter, 18 to one. Spencer Rattler and JT Daniels, 25 to one. Trayvon Henderson, 35 to one. CJ Stroud, CJ Verdell, Kenneth Walker, 40 to one. Bajan Robinson, 50 to one, like how, and Sam Howell, who was 10 to one preseason now 60 to one, how far down do you get before you say, okay, well, these are the real serious contenders for Heisman. It feels like four weeks into the season, we've never had such a short list. And the two guys at the top of the short list go head to head this week. And someone's going to be a a massive, probably an odds on favorite to be the Heisman after this week. I'll tell you my fear that lines up with what you were just saying. My fear for the Heisman this year is that Bryce Young wins it because Alabama is the best team and they go undefeated and they win the national championship and that there's not really anybody else that steps up and 
has some, is either on a team that's good enough to compete for it or has, I, I, some people hate calling it this, but I do think there are Heisman moments. They happen late in the season. They're typically in November for a team that's usually pretty good in contention or they're Robert Griffin and they're just so good that you have to give it to them. But my fear for this season is we get to the end of the year, Alabama's dominated, or we get to the end of the year, they beat Georgia in a close game. Bryce Young wins the Heisman. I don't think the other thing I would add, there is no Trevor Lawrence in this draft class or in this class that will be coming out in this quarterback class. There's no Kyler Murray there. There's a drop off this year. And I go back to recruiting a couple years ago, the quarterback class and crop of talent right now, specific to the quarterback position, I just don't think is very good. And I'm really interested to see in this next year's draft class in the spring how teams evaluate these guys because I don't know who – there are not maybe a, a couple guys I can point to that you say, okay, those are first-round guys. But I don't think we're going to have another one of these four or five first-round QBs in this next class. So I think that's part of what you're seeing with the Heisman. The last thing I would add, we're talking about a dark horse. In order to have a dark horse appear – and win the Heisman or have serious contention, they've got to be on a team that people wrote off or that they were, they were never in contention to begin with. I'm going to throw out Bijan Robinson for this reason. I think there is a world where Texas is better than we're giving them credit for. And especially after the QB change, I think there's a world where Texas could go on a run. Oklahoma certainly doesn't look invincible. Texas wins the big 12 and it's on the back of Bijan Robinson I think there is a there, there is a scenario, albeit you know far fetched, but I think there's a world where that could happen. So if you made me pick a dark horse today, I would say Bijan Robinson. It's funny, and that's not a, a bad call of the guys that I mentioned. But Casey Thompson, I mean, you could get him, you could get Casey Thompson at a hundred to one, and you could make a good argument that what's made te- what's made the biggest difference in how Texas looked in the first couple games compared to now. And it's that Casey Thompson is just a, a weapon and, and he changes the entire game. And given that this is typically now last year was an exception, but typically this is a quarterback award you know, if, if Texas wins out the rest of their games and you've got a, a, a great running back and by all, I mean, John Robinson is one of the best running backs in the country, but Casey Thompson, if he continues to play the way he's played, could you argue there's even more value on him? There's certainly more value, but to me, watching, I've watched Texas fairly close through the first four weeks. It all runs through Bijan Robinson. He is far and away their best. The, the receiver core for Texas right now is just not very good. There's a there's a couple guys, but they, they don't they do not have the deep shot. The, the guy that can take the top off right now. If we're talking about who do I have the most faith in to have a wow performance late in the year? and steal a Heisman, I, I think it, Bijan has that ability more so than Casey Thompson does, in my opinion. Desmond Ritter, undefeated, currently sitting at 18-1. to 1. If he finishes undefeated and has a chance to, you know, make Cincinnati the first group of five team to make the playoff, does Desmond Ritter get considered for this trophy? If they go undefeated, he, he will be there. He'll, he'll be in the final four. He's going to have to do something spectacular down the stretch. The other problem for him is his biggest moment is this week. And unfortunately, Heisman voters, just like the playoff voters, have short memories. And it's a lot like why I said a lot of these awards and rankings are determined most heavily in, in November. So my worry for Desmond Ritter is that they go out and beat Notre Dame they solidify, okay, you're a top 10 team. They're a you know, five or six spot now, and they hang around, hang around, win through the American, through a schedule that's the rest of the way they should win out. And then Heisman voters say, good, not great season. More has to, you know, it has more to do with what's been built on the defensive side of the ball in Cincinnati. Although I think he's a phenomenal football player, but I don't, I would not, put him in the driver's seat, certainly, even if they go undefeated. I think the, the voters are going to have a hard time with the competition that he's going to play against, giving him that award, even if they were undefeated. 
Spencer Rattler, who was one of the preseason favorites, I mean, Oklahoma is still a lot of games to be played, but when you're when your own fans are calling for the backup, pretty bad sign, especially given I, I mean, honestly, one of the better bets over the last few years is just oh, bet Oklahoma's quarterback to win the Heisman and you'll win. Uh, I mean, even an undefeated season, could Spencer Rattler work his way back into the conversation or of these first few games, pretty bad performance against West Virginia, pretty bad performance early against Tulane. Are they, have they already crossed him off the list? He's not crossed off the list. What you said about Clemson, about I'm, I'm just waiting on them to get this thing going. That is how I feel about Oklahoma, because when I watch them, it still looks like they have potential. It still feels like, every time they do one of those half roll, take a shot down the field, that they're going to hit it. You Because that, that's what you've seen for however many years watching Oklahoma. You came to expect the home run plays, and they hit a ton of them. They have a, Their efficiency rating on deep balls is one of the best in the country. This year, they don't have that. They're not taking shot plays, and when they do take them, they're not hitting them. So they could get this turned around because they have the talent to do it, and – Spencer Rattler was the, is who he is for a reason. He is not playing well right now. But I do think he's has the ability to turn it around. I would not write him off. If anything, I would actually give him better odds as the season plays out to win the Heisman over a Desmond Ritter because he's got the Big 12 to work through instead of the American. Uh, there's a guy – there's a couple guys, but I'll, I'll – you know what? I'll give love to both of them, two guys who I think should get more conversation than they will get, although by the time it's all said and done, I don't know that it'll matter for one. Uh, Talia Tagavailoa, Tua's little brother, has been fantastic so far. And, and granted, it's four games, and they still have a meat of a Big Ten schedule to get into, but he's been incredibly efficient. Uh, we're talking about a guy who's, who's passing at a 75% clip, 10 to one touchdown to interception ratio. He's playing really good ball. Now there's going to be losses for this Maryland team. How many losses can a guy handle before he's out of the mix? I think it's two things. I think it's timing and it's how do you look in those losses? So Maryland's schedule, they got a big one on Friday. I love that. I love that they get to host a top five, team in the country on a Friday night, that place is going to be rocking. And I'm they telling got, you, Maryland's a live dog in this game. Absolutely. Maryland can win this game. Make no, Cause they can, they will be able to move the ball on Iowa. And like we talked about at the open, I have zero faith in Iowa's offense. Maryland can win this game. But then after that game, they go on the road to Ohio state later in the year, they have Penn state at home. Then they got to go to East Lansing and then after that, they host Michigan. So they're going to have – Tagovailoa is going to have his cracks at the big boys, so to speak. And it, so, again, it's two things. It's how do you look in those games? And if you lose, what is your performance how, – how was your performance? And then ultimately, to answer your question, to me, it's probably you lose three games. You, you still have a shot. Anything more than that is, is tough. I well, go I would say, would you also agree, being at Maryland, that number's probably a little bit smaller. If you're at Alabama or Florida or Georgia, a traditional power, you lose three games, you've got a better shot. If you're at a school that's not considered a blue blood, you've got less wiggle room. Sometimes I think it can be the opposite, because if you struggle, if you have a two-loss season at Alabama, I don't think, that, I don't think you're going to win the Heisman. Because traditionally, if you are at Alabama – you got to run the table or have maybe one loss in the regular season, but you're still a final four team. I, I mentioned him earlier, Robert Griffin's Heisman season. They were nine and three in the big 12. Yeah. Right. And so you can get people give you the benefit of the doubt. I think a little bit more when they're expecting you to be the underdog, nobody's expecting Maryland to win their side of the big 10. But if you drop two of these to Ohio state and later in the year to Michigan, and you have wins over Penn state and Michigan state and throwing these out there, that's going to build a great case for, well, we weren't expecting them to run the, the table through all these, but the reason they were even competitive was because of their quarterback who deserves the highest. One name that I'll throw out there that is almost certainly, you know, hopeless to win this thing, but certainly does it will deserve conversation if he continues to play this way. Jake Hayner at Fresno state has been arguably the best quarterback in the country so far and not against nothing competition. 
I want a little mini 30 for 30 on their, their game against UCLA. First off, I don't know who watches I the Pac-12 network frustrates me to no end, but that game is on at 1230 in the morning. No one's watching it because three quarters of the country doesn't have more, probably more than that doesn't have the Pac-12 network. And he's out there dragging it. I don't even know what was hurt in that game. I think it was his, his arm. I'm not even sure what was injured, but he's dragging himself across the field, fighting through it. I went back and you know, watched most of that game. I, that was It was a, an incredible performance out of him. And he, I, he, made a, he made me a fan of his in that performance. I don't think he's going to get – I agree with you. I mean, I think this is a – beyond a dark horse for the Heisman, but there's a reason. I mean, Fresno is up there with Cincinnati. People are talking about them as, as one of the top two or three group of five teams this year and in large part because of him. And they'll likely be favored in the rest of their games going forward. And that'd be wins over Nevada wins over Boise. If they can get those wins and your only loss at the end of the season is a one score loss at Oregon boy, that'd be a pretty impressive resume that it would include a win at UCLA. Uh, so I, I think that's a, and you know what? And we, we were talking earlier about the top 25. The, Fresno is not a team near the top 25 of my power rankings, but they're sitting at 18. So they're, they could be a, a public type darling as the season goes on. How, you said it. There, if you're one loss when you get to the end of this thing is Oregon especially if Oregon continues to win, you make a pretty good case. The, the biggest thing I think that'll hurt him, honestly, is kind of the Mike Trout effect. You play on the West Coast and you don't play in a Power yeah. 5 conference. Most of his games, nobody's going to see. So you're going to have the the diehards and the lunatics that bet on their the over so they can watch college football till 1 in the morning. Those are going to be the people watching his games through most of the Mountain West slate. Well, rather than ask you who you like better at the top of that, uh, th- those odds, Matt Corral or Bryce Young, we'll just transition that into our first game uh, as we, we go through the big games, and then we'll get into our, our, our top picks later on, our best bets later on in the program. But let's start with this Alabama Ole Miss game. And Alabama, 14.5-point favorites. The total is, I mean, it, I don't want to say it's outrageous, but it's, it's kind of outrageous <laughs> to have a total 79. There's 80s out there. Like, and this, this game went well over that a year ago. But the fact that there's money coming in over 79 and a half, this is, this is rare territory that this happens. What do you expect to see in the Ole Miss-Alabama game? I expect to see Ole Miss continue their offense this year is efficient. We talked about them last week, but they use every inch of the field and they do a great job with it. And they know Lane Kiffin is aware what Alabama has and where their strengths are. And the reason I think this is close, this line opened at 20, by the way, which was crazy and immediately moved down to 14 and a half. If you've watched and kept up with this rivalry over the past few years, going back to the, the, Bo Wallace upset, I think it was like 2013 or 2014. Ole Miss is not afraid of Alabama. There are years that that Alabama gets them, but this is not one of those teams that especially look at last year when Ole Miss couldn't stop anybody on defense and still figured out a way to hang around in that game. This is not going to be a team that's going to go into Alabama and and be overwhelmed. They're going to operate their offense efficiently. Now, if Alabama can create turnovers, that changes everything. But Matt Corral is playing a really special brand of football right now. He's accurate. And I'll say it one more time. The way that they utilize, if you watch their downfield passing schemes, they make you cover sideline to sideline. They stretch you vertically. They stretch you all the way. Their check downs sometimes get all the way to the sideline. They make you cover everything. I think Alabama wins this game, but I don't think it's by two touchdowns. I love Ole Miss in this game to, to cover the 14 and a half. I kind of lean the other side. And I, I, I do think that that 20 was a mistake line. 
I, I didn't get any of that 20. I, I probably would have taken some Ole Miss at 20. I'm not as fast as that. Uh, it, but it's Ole Miss seems to be a very popular pick. Like everybody seems to think Ole Miss is, is it, I've heard people say Ole Miss could beat Alabama outright. We just saw, I mentioned this earlier, we just saw Alabama pushed for the first time since the Florida game last year. That doesn't automatically mean anyone can do it. And I think Matt Corral's good, but putting up a bunch of numbers against Tulane and Louisville, a bad Louisville team, does not equal putting up those numbers on Alabama. And I started to dig into Matt Corral's home road splits. They're kind of alarming. In home games, Matt Corral's a 68% passer, 264 yards per game, 25 to 4 touchdown to interception rate. Fantastic. On the road, 66% passer, 209 yards per game, 18 touchdowns, 13 picks. He's two and seven in road games straight up. Like he, he's, they've won two road games with Matt Corral at quarterback. And that was a one point win in overtime last year and a win at Vanderbilt, which in, in the SEC, that doesn't even count as a win really. And then you consider what Alabama has been at home. And with the exception of 2019, when they lost by five points to Joe Burrow and you know, the historically great LSU Tigers. Bama has won every home game since 2016 by at least 14 points. And now everybody's running to run into the window, 14 and a half. Give it Ole Miss. This is the next. I mean, what is Ole Miss proven to say they're the team that's going to hang with this Alabama squad? I don't know that I get it. And and I think if Nick Saban is going to run it up on anybody, it'd be a guy like Lane Kiffin. Yeah, I think he would love nothing more than to run it up on Lane Kiffin. I agree with, I agree with you. Well, what you just said with his, his home versus road statistics, anybody out there want a laugh, go look at uh, Bo Nix's home versus road statistics. But in the last seven of this matchup, Ole Miss has covered the spread five out of the last seven, five and two against the spread. That's what I'm expecting again in this one. I don't think they win this game, but they're also a really difficult team to run away from because they can they can beat you deep at any point, and they can get back in a game like that. So you may jump out. Alabama, just like they did to Florida, jump out to a 17-point lead, three-touchdown lead, and then you look up, and it's the middle of the third quarter, and Alabama's down seven. I'm sorry, Ole Miss is down seven. So, I, again, I I don't I like Alabama to win this game. They should win this game, uh, but I don't. It, to me, it's a hard team to run away from. And I give that offense two touchdowns. I'll take Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I thought that too. And then I looked last year, and at home, Alabama beat them by 15 a year ago. Uh, Florida beat them by 16 last year. They lost by 13. Uh, to our, no, they lost by 12 to Arkansas. And that was, a, I mean, that was a pretty meh Arkansas team. I, I just don't know. I, I'm not in the business of betting against Nick Saban to begin with. Uh, I, That's I a good I, point. <laughs> I don't enjoy doing it. And especially a Nick Saban that now, like anytime Nick Saban, people are questioning him. I feel like that's the most likely he's, he is to go out and take a shit on you. Like if you're thinking, oh, maybe Alabama's lost a step. And I've already heard that from people. They, got, they, they played a close game with Florida, and people were like, boy, this Alabama team's not as good as last year, which is, to be fair, is probably true. But when you consider that last year was probably in the discussion for the best college football team in history, is it really a big deal to say, well, they're not as good as they were last year, pal? That just seems wild to me. Yeah, uh, Saban and Alabama get the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. But again – what, what, what do you think on this total? Uh, last year, there were only two totals over 79. BYU Central Florida was 80 and a half, and then Houston in Central Florida was 82. Both of them went under. The last five years going under on totals of better than 79 is 10, 4, and 1. Are you looking at an under here? Or are, you trying to, uh, are you trying to expect we see what we saw last year where there was 111 points scored in the Bama Ole Miss game? I wouldn't touch – 
that I wouldn't touch the over under, but if you made me, I'd take the under just out of principle. I think it's more likely that you get Alabama comes out and keeps it close and shut and maybe has a quarter that keeps Ole Miss kind of within rein them in, so to speak. But by the same token, what you just said, 111 points scored last year, the, that the over under terrifies me. I would not play it in this game, but if you made me, I'd take the under. All right, let's go to another big SEC matchup this week. Georgia and Arkansas. Georgia, 18-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, the total sitting around 49, some 48-and-a-halves. What do you see in Georgia and Arkansas? Georgia against Clemson, their front seven is the best in the country, and it's not even close. And the thing that Arkansas does – well, and the reason they move the football is they run the ball well, and they have a quarterback that can run the ball well. Now he's banged up. KJ Jefferson, they're, they're saying he's going to play. We'll see what happens. I imagine he plays in this game if they're already saying he's, it looks like he'll be good to go. If, if he can go at all, he's going to play in this game. But I worry about Arkansas being able to move the football in this game. I think there's a chance this is a they get just a couple, two or three cracks at the end zone in the entire game. That said, 18 and a half, pretty big number. And Georgia, you, you said it earlier, you can throw your win against Vanderbilt out the window. That means nothing to me. I worry about their ability. Is this offense capable? Arkansas has looked pretty good on defense. Performances over a Texas team that was playing a freshman quarterback and AM, who they don't know what they're doing on offense. This line and this game – I struggle with. I think it's going to be low scoring. I, if any play in this game, I like the under in this game. I like Arkansas to cover at 18 and a half, but I really worry about KJ Jefferson. They're going to have to, what Georgia's going to do is they're going to put a bunch of bodies near the line of scrimmage and they're going to say, KJ Jefferson is going to have to beat us in the passing game. We're not going to let him beat us running the football. And that's what I worry about. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. And if he's if he's banged up, he's going to basically be a pure pocket passer. I, I don't I don't I don't think you can overstate how good Georgia is defensively, and you can you can look at the competition and they they've probably they played Vanderbilt and South Carolina, who are probably the two worst teams in the SEC. They played Clemson, who we thought that was a great win, and it felt like a great win early season. And then they they played UAB, who I listen. They beat UAB fifty six to seven. Most people will look at that and go, uh, "No big deal." I I think that win over UAB is more impressive than the South Carolina and Vanderbilt win. Like, I think UAB. I think UAB is a pretty good football team, and they made them look foolish. It, the Georgia is the best tackling team in the country per PFF. They're very difficult to run on. They're also the best coverage team in the country per PFF. So uh, you, how do you beat these guys? They've allowed 182 yards per game through four games. That is 30 yards less than the second best defense has, has allowed. They've allowed under six points per game. They've given up two touchdowns this year. One of those they gave up to UAB when they were up 56 to nothing. They gave that up late in the fourth quarter to make it 56 to seven and one to South Carolina when they were up 40 to six and that made it the 40 to 13 final. That was another late fourth quarter touchdown. So both touchdowns that they've given up have come when they were up five scores plus and didn't have their first team on the field. I don't think against an eighth ranked Arkansas, you're going to see, you know, the scrubs out unless this game just gets ugly I think Arkansas is going to have to earn every single yard that they get. I I don't know. I, I don't think I'll be on Georgia. I, I, I don't think being as good as Georgia is, I don't know that being on Georgia as a double-digit favorite against other good teams is the way to be. Like, I think they can bully some bad teams. I don't think Arkansas yeah. is a bad team. So I, I, I don't think they're going to go out and put up a 40-50 spot on Arkansas the way they did some of these crummy teams. 
but I also, I worry that, it, I mean, this, this game could be a, you know, a 17, seven game. And I, 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 it could be a complete domination and it's hard for Georgia to, to get away. JT Daniels has not looked like he's any, anything great. Uh, so I, I'm with you. I would lean towards Arkansas, I guess, getting the 18 and a half, but I, the under is the play for me. I'm already on the under. I, I like the under. Uh, I, I think if, if, and that's probably the only reason I like Arkansas. If I thought there were going to be more points scored in this game, I think Georgia is plenty better than Arkansas is. Uh, I, I think Arkansas, like you said, I, I think they, what they've done so far is impressive. Don't get me wrong. They beat Texas before Texas figured out that Casey Thompson is the guy. And they beat a Texas A&M team that has literally no offense with this quarterback that they're running out there. So I think we've got to slow down on how great Arkansas is and, and we'll really get a feel for, for what they are after this game. And, and the same is true for, uh, for Georgia. I mean, I, I don't think anybody, no matter what happens to Clemson over the course of the season, no one's going to sneeze at the fact that they beat Clemson in the, in the opener. Had they beat Clemson 21 to three, I think I'd feel a lot better about them than I do right now. But the fact that that game was just such a grind for them. And I think that they're so much better than Clemson gives me a little bit of pause. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm blowing up Georgia more than they should be. Uh, so I, I think this is a low scoring game, but I, I, I think that, that you know, I, I think Georgia's way better, but I think Arkansas can hang because I think this is just going to be such a grind. Yeah. Only other thing I'll add in favor of Arkansas. I like for Arkansas sake that this game's early. I think if this is a night game, it makes me lean more towards Georgia, but they're these 11 AM kicks crowds, not into it as much. It'll be plenty loud. Don't get me wrong, but anytime you get these SEC crowds, you, you give them all day to party in the parking lot and get sideways. It's a different environment. I would I would feel less confident in Arkansas if they were playing this at, at seven or seven thirty at night. Eleven a.m. kick. I, I like that benefiting Arkansas. I don't disagree with you, but I also this is the first time Arkansas has hit the road this year. Yeah, that A&M game is at a neutral site and really a dead site in Jerry World. Not like a not not an SEC type neutral site. This that was in uh, I, you know, it's in Texas. It's probably more of a, a heavy A&M crowd, but it's going to be nothing like between the hedges. I, I think that's a big advantage to Georgia that this is Arkansas's first time getting out on the road. Yep, completely agree. All right, let's go to the last big game of the week. Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Cincinnati minus two and a half. And I, you texted me early. I, I think we're going to have some more disagreement here. I'm excited. I'm here for it. What do you think of Cincy and Notre Dame? I have a very specific take on this game, and it is probably a dumb one, but it is my take nonetheless. I cannot get Desmond Ritter and their performance against Indiana in the first half out of my head. It was so bad. They looked they looked like a completely different team, something we hadn't seen before in the last, call it two years, since Desmond Ritter's been at the helm. And I worry about that going on the road to Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame struggled. The, the win against Florida State, tossed that out the window. Struggled to put Toledo away, tossed that out the window. That game against Wisconsin got out of hand because of, <laughs> because of Graham Mertz. But that game was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. So I, both sides of this, talk out of both sides of your mouth and, and tie yourself in a knot. My issue is I don't believe Cincinnati's going to go on the road and beat this Notre Dame team in their house. So for that reason, I have Notre Dame winning outright. I, Notre Dame could just as easily one and three as they are this four and and the, those, the Florida State, those Toledo games, those, those continue, they age worse every week. And listen, Notre Dame put up 248 yards of offense against Wisconsin. They were down in the, they were down 13 10 in the fourth quarter of that game. If Graham Mertz isn't a total pig, I, I mean, <laughs> Wisconsin probably wins that game. Like, was that was so, that was some of the worst. That was some of the worst quarterback play I've, I truly have, I've ever seen. And Notre Dame's offensive line could get no push against Wisconsin. They could not run the ball. They were stuffed every time they tried to run the ball. They were stuffed. I think it was and eleven yards rushing in that game. They had nothing, 
And now you see a top five defense across from you. So here's – this is the way I'm looking at it. If, if you think Cincinnati turns it over five times like, they, like, like Wisconsin did against Notre Dame, I can see you backing Notre Dame. If you think Desmond Ritter is one of 14 on third down like Graham Mertz was, I can see you backing Notre Dame. I just can't get there. I, I look at Cincinnati. They've got an extra week to prepare. This is the biggest game on their schedule. I see no path to easy points for Notre Dame. So I think anything under three, I, I'm going to like the Bearcats here. Yeah, I. this is more to do with Cincinnati than it is about Notre Dame because we're in agreement on everything you just said about Notre Dame. But I just don't think this Cincinnati team is that good. That's the problem. So I. it could very easily – I could be eating my words next week when we discuss this again, but I'm ba- I am betting on – I like Notre Dame to win this outright in this game. All right. Well, let's get into uh, let's get into where we made our money last week. We uh, we both hit our big bets, our best bets, our three star plays. We both hit our two star plays, and we both lost our one star plays. So, it, you know, we'll, we'll both take five points through. That's uh, that's not a a bad start to the season, I would say. Where are you going with your best bet this week? What's your three star play? What's your what's your favorite play on the board? Before we move on. For anybody that rode with me on Auburn over, that was the most disgusting over. I felt like I needed to take a shower after that game. Never apologize but I will take for it. that. I will take it because Memphis screwed me up 21 to nothing in the first quarter, completely pissed down their leg. Anyway, moving on. The, the pick that I like the most this upcoming week, we touched on them earlier. I think this is – they're either the first or the second best team in Conference USA out of two teams that are very good. They, I take the Georgia loss and throw it out the window because I truly think in that game, they said, we're going to run our base offense. We're just going to get out of this game and try not to have any injuries because we're not beating this Georgia team. UAB is only laying one and a half at home against Liberty who just lost to Syracuse. I think UAB wins this by two scores. So I like UAB covering the one and a half. Liberty's interesting to me because, I mean, Malik Willis, obviously he's got some skills and he's got some skills that I think will translate to the next level. But he is, he holds onto the ball for so long. I mean, this is, it's going to be a problem. He's been sacked 14 times so far this year. Um, I think Liberty losing that game was pretty disappointing. I think that they thought that they were one of those teams that could kind of roll on and like Liberty outgains them in that game. There's a lot of things to make you say, oh, what, what happened to them? But I'm with you. I, I think this UAB defensively, I think this UAB team is pretty legit and they turned Tulane over left and right. And it looks like Dylan Hopkins is, is pretty solid uh, at quarterback. So I'm, I don't hate this game. I, I think this is a – I think I don't know about two scores because I'm not, I'm not overreacting to what happened to Liberty. I, I think Sy- Syracuse isn't awful. I, and, I, by the way, speaking of live dogs, I don't – Syracuse catching points against Florida State. I don't know who – Yeah, who, I don't know about that. I don't know who Florida State should be favored over right now. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I'm with you on UAB here. I, I like them as well. All right, I'll go to my three-star play. And I'll go with I'll go with the Texas Longhorns. I, I, I've mentioned it a couple times in this pod. I think they're a different team right now with Casey Thompson. And it, listen, it's rare that you get value on Texas, but Texas isn't in the top twenty-five. People aren't saying Texas is back. They lost to Arkansas. It wasn't close. I think that we're getting a short number here based on Gary Patterson owning Texas. And TCU's won six of the last seven in this series. What you're not realizing is this TCU defense is not what Gary Patterson has made us accustomed to. This is a bad defense. And they're going up against an offense that's playing on a different level right now. Uh, The loss against SMU really exposed a lot defensively on this TCU team. Uh, they're, they're now 0-2-1 against the spread this year. Momentum is carrying these teams in opposite directions right now. And it feels like Texas 
I, I, I could, you could say, well, Texas before the OU game, maybe a sleepy spot. If TCU hadn't been kicking their ass for the last several years, I would buy that. But I feel like this game is important to Sark because the, the two guys before him couldn't figure out Gary Patterson. I think he's taking this game seriously. I think if he gets a chance to, to run up a score, I think he's going to. Under a touchdown, sitting here at four and a half, I like Texas minus four and a half. We texted about this pick and are in total agreement. The only other thing I'll add, and this is just, this is anecdotally, this is my opinion, but I live in Austin. I'm based in Austin. I lived and watched the reaction to everything under the Herman era. I cannot tell you how opposite it feels with Sark at, at the helm here. It feels like a grown-up is running their program and their reaction to losing to Arkansas has been about as good as you could have hoped for. Rice and Texas Tech are not great football teams. I completely understand that. But going and playing this TCU team, if they handle their business, the messaging has got to be, you would assume, you control your own destiny. And after that, you've got the Red River rivalry the following week. And if you win that one, now you're really on a roll. I think... I completely agree with you. That line is set because of the recency bias of TCU and their success over Texas. But this TCU team, that I, that SMU team is is fine. But to lose the way that they did, I mean, they got beat. They were physically smacked around by SMU at home. So I, I like that pick as well. I'll give you my give you my two star pick. This one I think has more to do with them being on the road, but. We're, I'm going to fade Graham Mertz into eternity. I like Michigan. <laughs> this is effectively a, a pick them. They're, they're getting a point on the road at Wisconsin. Michigan looked – they looked fine against Rutgers. It kind of looked like they, you know, kind of – they didn't ever really fully separate themselves, but they took care of business against the Rutgers team that – I think Rutgers plays hard, and they're diff, that's going to be a difficult team to blow out and run away from all year. I think this Michigan team is better than people are giving them credit for. And Wisconsin on offense is horrendous. So give me uh, – you're effectively – who's who's winning this game? I like Michigan. Yeah, this is – really, I think this boils down to, do you think Wisconsin stops the run the way that, Notre, that they did against Notre Dame? Michigan has proven that they, they want to be a run-first team. It's kind of an it's kind of a throwback, like you, you in 2021. Most teams that have any kind of offensive success have it through the air, and Michigan is going old school, and they're saying we're going to smash you in the mouth. And so far, it's worked. Um, will it work against this Wisconsin front? I, I think that's a question. I, I'm I'm nervous about this game, but I'm with you. God, I mean, as long as they're going to play Graham Mertz. And it seems like they're committed to doing it. I mean, they—they they fe- it feels like they are locked in to, to just keep continuing running to, to run that guy out there. I can't bet on Wisconsin. I, I, I just, that guy is horrendous, and I get five-star, blah, blah, blah. At some point, like he had that big win against Illinois where he just – he went wild on a, on a bad Illinois team. What's he done since? It, it, nothing. I, I, I don't get it. Uh, but – this is the best run defense in the country and Michigan's running 73% run that, 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 that's scary to me. It's going to be a stay away, but if Michigan wins this game, I think we have to start taking Michigan a little more seriously. I know that. All right, let's go to my two-star play. Boy, this is a hold your nose. If you watch last week's game, I'm going to go with USC against Oregon state. I just don't think Colorado is – I think Colorado's bad, but I don't think they're going to put any stress on this offense. They rank 95th nationally in coverage and 127th in pass rush. And then on the other side, they've put up two touchdowns in three games against FCS opponents. I don't put much into history because, you know, coaches change, players change in college. Colorado has never beaten USC at football ever in a series that dates back to 1927. They're 0 and 14 all time. I think Slovis wants to firm up his spot. He had a bad week last week. 
the the freshman Jackson Dart is he's nearing a return. He's about ready to go. But Slovis is a back-to-back all-pack 12 quarterback. One game where he throws three picks against Oregon State is not going to, you know, suddenly turn him into a total pumpkin. Colorado's got one interception all year. I don't think they're going to be as as uh, opportunistic as Oregon State was, and I don't think they have the uh, the kind of offense that can put Slovis into a chase mode where he's got to play from behind. So I'll take USC minus seven for my uh, my two way play. What do you think of that one? I don't have any thoughts on this one. I would I can't I wouldn't bet on this because I don't want to watch it. But I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, if, if I would. If you made me take a side on this, I would take USC as well for all the same reasons you said. This is more to me about Colorado being completely inept than anything on the other side. I think USC's, they've got the guys to win by a couple scores in that game. And Colorado, they're having trouble lining up. I mean, the the basic fundamentals on offense, they are (laughs) – the only thing I've seen from Colorado all season that I really paid attention to was against A&M. They had a play where their protection goes exactly down the middle, the opposite directions from one another. They split like the Red Sea and things like that. When you have that happening up front on offense, I would, I would tell you what, I certainly wouldn't take Colorado getting seven. So maybe, maybe that's my answer. All right. Well, let's go with your, uh, with your one weight. I went back and forth on this. I've got two that I, you know what? I'm gonna. You you bet on. I think I think you took these guys two weeks ago before we got this rolling. But I just talked about a game I don't want to watch, and here I am. I'm taking anchor down my Commodores, Vanderbilt laying 14 and a half over UConn. Oh, yeah. I know, I know. UConn is so so bad that I think their brand of bad is significantly worse than Vanderbilt's brand of bad. I think, I think Vanderbilt, I don't know that UConn scores. I think maybe last week was the first week that UConn scored against an FBS opponent. No, because they scored against army and ruined my cover. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. I bet against UConn and I, I mean, I gave up. That was the game. It wasn't Vanderbilt. It was you betting Army and UConn. Yeah, I bet thirty minus thirty-four and a half, and they were up forty-two nothing at halftime. Yeah, and and UConn had like eight plays from inside the three at the end of the game, and and covered the game on the very last on their eighth try on their second fourth and goal, they were able to get in. Just gross. So out of principle. I hope Vanderbilt beats UConn by a hundred. I don't think they will because I think Vanderbilt may not score a hundred this season, but UConn is just gross to me. I I don't know if they're the worst team anymore. New Mexico state is, is making their case for being worse than UConn, but UConn's right there. It's they're like 129 and 130. I, I, you can flip a coin for me given the day, but yeah, UConn is just dreadful. It's a matter of if, if Vanderbilt wants to play a full game, and what I will say about Vanderbilt, they're not going to have many opportunities to get out there and have some fun on, on a team. And this this may be it. I think that's what I'm banking on more than anything else. I also, like I said, this is a disgusting pick. But I any opportunity you have to to take 14 and a half against UConn, I think you got to take it because I don't think UConn's going to score in this game. Maybe once. What if I told you I, my one weight is on a team that's worse than Vanderbilt? Because I've got that's what I'm going with. Is that- I projected Bowling Green to be like one of the four or five worst teams in the country coming into this season. I still think Bowling Green's like one of the 10 worst teams in the country, but they're a lot better defensively than I think anyone could have expected. They just beat Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. Not that beating Minnesota is any great shakes, but Minnesota beat the shit out of Colorado <laughs> and with who we were just talking about. But this team, the offensive line is just dreadful. They're dreadful. But Kent State is not a team that's going to be able to take advantage of that. It, Kent State is graded 128th in pass rush, 118th in overall defense. So if that's what you're going to give me against 
Bowling Green's bad line, I feel like, okay, well, that, that you can kind of match up there. Kent State's a hard team to get a read on because they haven't been competitive in any of their FBS games, but they've played road games at AM, Iowa, and Maryland. So they've they've played some schedule here. They, it's it's looked about what you'd expect it to look like. They've gotten the, they've gotten the dog crap stomped out of them. But Bowling Green, they were 0-5 last year. And part of what kept them from being competitive was they were they had a negative 19 turnover margin. And Matt McDonald, their quarterback, who last year was his first year transferring in from Boston College. I think the second year in the system, he, he, he's looked a lot different. He's taken better care of the football. And if he doesn't give it away too much, I think they hang with this number. Again, I don't have a great feel for what Kent is, given that they've played three games that they couldn't have possibly won and a game against VMI that they couldn't have possibly lost. But I've upgraded Bowling Green enough to think that they can compete in this game against Kent State. Purely because they held Minnesota to 10 points at home, I'm fine with that. But All right, Bowling Green plus 17. Let's get it, baby. <laughs> God, can't wait to watch that. Can't wait to watch yeah, that. More match. good football. Only other bonus pick I'm throwing out there. It doesn't count in my top three, but I don't hate continuing to fade Clemson. They're getting they're laying 15 and a half at home against BC, who just beat Missouri at home. That's not yeah, a Boston bad College, football team. The backup quarterback. This is the guy that before Yurkovich got there, this was the guy that was there. He was the right. guy. Right. So and I don't this is not a, like, a bad football There's a huge drop-off. I don't know that there's a huge drop-off there. Yeah. I, not a bad football team. I don't think they win, but any Clemson laying, giving, you know, they're double-digit favorite. Um, I, I struggle with that, but not enough to put it in my top three. So, Do you have a uh, favorite total this week? I do. I do. And it is a late night special for uh, everybody out there. Like I mentioned that wants some pack 12 after dark, you need something to bet on watch out at the bars, Arizona state, UCLA over 55 and a half UCLA scored over 35 in every game this year. And I think Arizona state's competent enough to keep this relatively interesting for three quarters. I think UCLA wins this game. But I thought that that number is a little low for me. Arizona State, they've had, aside from going to Provo, they played pretty poor on offense in that game. They've scored over 35 in, in three out of their four games this year. So I think this is, uh, I like the over in this game. All right. I'm going to give you a, a weekday game. Boy, I, I bet Let's on Virginia go. last oh. week against Wake Forest. That was a huge mistake. Virginia, <laughs> yes, I, I mean, but – I'll say this for the. I'm going to go Virginia Miami over 62. I think there's some positive regression coming to, to Virginia's offense. It, they were inside the Wake Forest 10 three times in that game and got a total of three points. Their offense is legit. You know they they lead the they lead the country in air yards, uh, 430 passing yards per game. And Miami's shown that they can be torched through the air. Bama did it. Michigan State did it. Um, on the other side, Virginia is awful against the run. North Carolina and Wake combined to run for 577 yards against Virginia. I just think both these teams have a hard time stopping the other. I think Derek King is looking healthy uh, for the first time really since the start of the Alabama game. And that game wasn't great for his health. Uh, so I'm going to go Virginia, Miami over 62 points. I assume both teams get plenty done here. I have no rebuttal. All I have to say is you saying a, a week, some weeknight action got me excited for later on this year when we're going to be recording this on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday nights and we have Maxion. Oh, I cannot wait. I can't that, wait. It's a shame. to add in a segment that's like a live bet during these, <laughs> during because you're going to get some, I mean, there's going to be some t- terrible games there always is worse bowling green kent i don't know i don't know if we're gonna get worse than bowling green kent maybe when bowling green plays akron will be worse that's about it my favorite part of maction is when they get you get two one or two win teams on a night when it's like 22 degrees and snowing sideways and they got these kids (laughs) got to go out and play (laughs) at least in the south when you suck it's warm that's right well you would know that better than anybody yeah we uh, one year one year 
We had to go play Case Keenum, everybody's favorite. I'm sure you remember that game. I, I remember it well. I, th- I thought you were going to match him yard for yard. Nope, we did didn't, not. Didn't work out that way. Did not All work right. out that way. Hey, Taylor, where are you at this week? What's your game? I got a good one. I have the Battle of the Piney Woods, which for people out there that are not familiar, that is a big-time matchup in the state of Texas, Stephen F. Austin and Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State coming off the national championship, number one in the country. So it's at NRG Stadium, 4 o'clock on Saturday, and uh, it's on Bally Sports, and I think ESPN Plus is doing some stuff with it also. So I, I got a good one this week. I'm excited. All right, enjoy that one, and uh, great job this week. Great job last week, more importantly, getting our guys to the window. That's what matters. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds good. Sounds good.